when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shot suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. I'll tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. That's what I'm talking about. Contact them today at geektimeentertainment at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Out there in Radio Land, this is Amanda Verse, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the. Well, folks, he's probably one of the most unlikely American celebrities currently out there. However, he is probably best recognizable with the wide-brimmed Amish hat and bright red shirt that you'll see him nine times out of ten on Pawn Stars. Mark Hall Patton. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? No complaints over here on the East Coast for sure. You know, nobody listens anyway. However, curious to know, and we can get into Pawn Stars in a bit, but... You know, for those who don't know, he is the director of the Clark County Museums out there in Nevada. Is that considered 
in Las Vegas or because they say Clark County when they introduce you. Where is it exactly located? The uh, Clark County Museum is in Henderson. It's in the Vegas Valley, but there's a number of cities here. So they, like I say, that one's in Henderson. I also run the museum in McCarran International Airport, and that one's in Clark County. And then I have a small one south of here in a little town called Searchlight that I run. So the county's uh, taxpayers get their money's worth out of me. That's for sure, it sounds like. Now, Beans, do you have multiple locations on, within the county there? Is there a difference between – now, I know the one at the airport is an aviation museum, but with the other three, I, I guess you would call them land museums. Is there a difference between the three? Oh, yes. The Clark County Museum covers basically the history of Southern Nevada. It's, it, we start from sort of time immemorial to today. It's, it's a standard local history museum. We deal with a little natural history, um, but mainly human history here. Um, we've got 30 acres, uh, 20 restored buildings here, a small ghost town, walking trails, nature areas, all of that. And, and so that's the, the focus on the county museum. The Searchlight Museum is a community museum. It deals with the little mining town of Searchlight, um, which actually predates Las Vegas. Searchlight was founded in 1898 and Las Vegas not till 1905. But Searchlight's a, an interesting little town. It was a mining community. Uh, Edith Head grew up there. Um, Scott Joplin wrote a rag for the town. Um, Harry Reid is from there. Uh, the first man to fly nonstop across the United States uh, grew up in Searchlight. So it's it's one of those towns that it's a small mining town, but it's got a really great history. And then the Aviation Museum isn't airplanes, it is aviation. It's actually within McCarran Airport and two other airports here. So as you come into the airport, it's actually open 24-7, uh, 365 days of the year because it's open any hour that the airport is open. And you find exhibits throughout the airport on um, aviation history and how it affected Southern Nevada, our, our, our growth and development. Now, with the different artifacts that come along your way for one of the museums or all of them or whatever the case may be, depending on the circumstances. How do you personally, as the director, go about authenticating the pieces and deciding how you want to use said pieces when you display them? Uh, well, a couple of different things in there. One, uh, when we're offered something, we look at whatever uh, uh, documentation comes along with it or you know, whether it's been a family piece, something like this, whether it's duplicated in the collection already. If it is, we don't accept it. We want to make sure that it is affiliated with Southern Nevada because of the television work and that um, we are offered a lot of artifacts that don't actually fit this area, so we will pass those along to other museums uh, because they're not appropriate to here. Um, and in terms of using them in exhibits, I have um, an exhibits curator who handles the exhibit design and installation. I have a registrar that handles all the paperwork around the collections and their storage and care. 
And then I have a, an education person who handles all of our school tours and that. And we all work together when it's when it's looking at, okay, what should go into an exhibit? What are appropriate artifacts to tell the story that we want to tell? Uh, so it's, it's a real collaborative effort. Um, I just happen to be the boss at this point. Uh, but that's something that I try to work with everybody else. And um, if it takes research, you know, just as I do for the show and everything else, I'm I'm happy with doing that. The research is the fun part of it. Yes, because uh, I have a history background myself, do with museums and everything. And one of the things I found very interesting with you was besides all of the working with various museums around the country. Uh, you mentioned right before we started, you did your uh, some schooling over at the University of Delaware. But mm-hmm. probably the most interesting thing, because I'm, wor- I'm far from it, but working on it, that there was a rumor of about 20,000 history books somewhere around your house. <laughs> that's, that, it's, it's a conservative number, but, yeah, that's the library at home, and that does not count... Oh, sorry, I hate these things. Uh, this is... Come on, go away. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you probably have run into that before. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I have uh, quite an extensive library at home. Uh, my wife is actually a professor at UNLV and a national scholar on quilting, so we have a large collection, a uh, uh, book collection in that area. She's got about 2,000 volumes just on quilting history. Um, but I'm I'm a, a bibliophile, have been all of my life. I use these. I um, do a lot of writing and a lot of public speaking. Um, you know, and I enjoy learning. I'm, I'm an omnivore when it comes to history. So I am always interested in learning about something new and some other part of history. Yes, and you mentioned that you've done writing and whatnot. Uh, Mark has been a part of producing, writing and producing at least 48 local films. He's got over 400 articles published. But with such, I guess you would put this as gravitas towards the history major itself, is there any particular part of the field that you've enjoyed researching over other parts? Um, I'd have to say I probably have enjoyed uh, oh, eight, uh, uh, 19th and, and early 20th century history the most. That's, that's the area I've done most of my work in. But it's it's a difficult question to answer because... I, like I say, I'm, I'm an omnivore. I just, I, I'm interested in everything. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was, I was driving back from a meeting in California with my CPA, and he's a friend of mine. We were both at this meeting. It was about a six-hour drive, and I asked him where the certified public accountant came from, why, why that construct, um, and he looked at me, he happened to be driving, and he said, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah, I'm curious. And he said, because I can tell you, I took the classes. I said, that's fine. And he gave me a two-hour lecture on the, um, you know, how the certified public accountant came into being. Now, you might think that would be really boring. It wasn't. It was fascinating. 
And it's the way that my mind works. I just, I'm, I always want to expand and learn. Um, so there's, there are so many areas that I have gotten into that I've just looked at something and said, hmm, I wonder why, and ended up writing on it. Uh, I, uh, for example, a couple of years ago, I did an article on the history of bottle houses in both in the West, where they started, and these are houses made out of bottles. Um, and they've expanded, and you've got bottle houses all over the world now. And it came out of looking at one in a ghost town here and saying, I wonder who did that? Yeah, because like my particular area as far as history is like American presidents and government are history, but I've, I've always been particularly fascinated, and I've been really diving deep into uh, JFK since the 50th anniversary several years ago. But, right. you know, it's, you know, there's just so much out there. Uh, I was just going to say, my son is a, um, he just got his master's in history, and he has a YouTube channel and all that sort of thing that he does. And he asked me to do a piece on my favorite president. And, you know, I've been asked that a few times. And I looked at it and I said, my, my personal favorite president is James Knox Polk, who's somebody that most people never think about, but hugely important in creating the United States as it is today. And so I can understand that. You, you, you find somebody and you start researching them. And, I mean, Kennedy, I remember his election. I was young, but I remember it, and I certainly remember the assassination. Um, so it, it's, he's one of those, those presidents that, um, had an oversized influence on the popular culture, uh, as, yes. as you know, in terms of his time in office. And, you know, it's funny how you mention that when you, when you start reading things and it's not just the presidents or American history or whatever part of history you start digging into. At least for me, anyway, I would think as well read you as you are with history. You might agree with me on this that you start reading into one topic, then at least to three more topics, then <laughs> those three topics grow into six and whatnot. That's exactly it, and and that's what's I think fun. You know, I yes, the 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 worst thing in the world for me is to look at something and say I don't know anything about that. And because I I don't want to go through life lobotomized, I I want to understand what I'm looking at. Um, yes. Yeah. Now I may I may add one caveat there. Don't ask me about sports because that <laughs> I've never done anything with. Um, you know, basically if it's not Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> it it is something that I've I've always wanted to understand if I, I I went to Ireland a couple of years ago with my wife it's our first time overseas in 30 years and the for flying over there I had a history of Ireland in my hand and I I have to have a book I don't do things on screens if I can help it but I had to read it yeah there's there's also something like you said there about having a phys physical book in your head when you're reading something. Yeah, I, I can't do it otherwise. It, it, if it's on the screen, it'll put me to sleep. Yeah. You know, I notice that a lot would work and whatnot, too. So where 
I'd rather have something tangible in my hand. But speaking of, uh, we mentioned in the intro, and you hinted at it a little bit, uh, your involvement with Pawn Stars. <laughs> now, a little birdie had told me that you had tried to turn it down, saying that they should probably look for an antique stealer in terms of... <laughs> yeah. uh, what happened with this? Well, when they first called me, I, I this was in February of 2009, and the show had not aired. This was for one of the pilots. And somebody said, call the guy at the museum. I don't know who. But I got this call out of the blue, and um, they asked me whether I could look at a West Point uniform coat and tell them whether it was real. And I said, sure, I can do that. And uh, they said, can you do it on camera? And I said, yeah, I can do that, because I was doing, and it was the centennial year for Clark County, and I was doing a live television show once a month for the county at that point. So, you know, being on camera didn't bother me. And um, they said, can you tell us what it's worth? I said, no. And um, they they came back and said, well, here's here's this concept. It's going to be this new show called Pawn Stars. And they described their, their concept, and one of the pieces was all of the experts would have to give the price. That's why they were being brought in. And I said, you know, I, I don't do prices. I run museums. I don't do prices. Go get an antique dealer. They, they can, they'll tell you what they think it's worth. I don't care. It really does not matter to me whether it's worth a million dollars or it's worth 50 cents. I don't care. That's not what's important to me. And so yeah. they, they tried to talk me into it, and I said no. Um, and they realized that no for me meant no. I was nice about it, but it's still no. What a concept, you know, especially in that field. Yeah, and so they said, well, we'll try you anyways. And I said, okay. And so I have done 168 appearances. I've been on more than any other experts, so I think that uh, I passed my tryout anyways. Um, and I've go. never given a price. You know, I never will. Yeah. I, people walking into the museum nearly every day with things that they want me to look at and I'll look at them if I can and they ask me what the what it's worth and I say I don't know I don't care you know I yeah, don't think and it's worth historically yeah and Rick's a pretty good historian himself he's pretty well read and I think that's what makes you different as far as on the show anyway because you just bring a certain perspective like you said you don't have a horse in a race whether the thing is worth 50 cents or a million dollars. That's right. I, it's it's not my issue. And there's, you know, one, I don't sell this stuff. If, if I sell you something out of the museum collection, I go to jail. I'm not going to do that. But yeah. two, in in the museum field, if you're, if something is donated to your institution, by law, and this is an IRS regulation, you cannot say anything about what it's worth. You can't do a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, well, I'd say it's about this. You can't say anything. The IRS is real yeah. clear on that. So, you know, it's I, I said up front, I'm not going to do that. And, um, you know, and they've been very good about it. You know, they, they've tried a couple of times, and they get uh, chumly to ask me sometimes, you know, well, what do you think it's worth? No, not going to get that. You know, yeah, but it, we're not going that road. We're not going that direction. <laughs> uh, yeah. You mentioned you, and I found this interesting, too, When I, and you can tell me if this is true or not. You mentioned that your wife is a 
professor over the UNLV, and she's teaches uh, soci- she's a sociology uh, professor. Yes, yeah, sociology. Uh, she mentioned yes, with the on the women's side of things. There, uh, I found it interesting that she had done a, a uh, article, I believe, or a paper about the life of American celebrity based on an encounter with you coming home from a trip one time. Well, it, it started with that. Yeah, she did. She, she published in the Journal of Celebrity Studies out of Australia, but she has given a, a few papers at various uh, sociology conferences. In fact, she's giving one next week at the Far West uh, Popular Culture uh, Conference. Um, the, the first one was called The Celebrification of a Pawn Star. And it started with the, the, the first year, like I say, we, we filmed in February of 09. The show went on the air in July of 09. And in October of 09, uh, two episodes had aired so far that, that I was on. And we'd gone over to California, to Santa Ana, uh, where my mother was living at the time. And we'd gone to a nearby town called Orange and um, had stopped at an Arco station, a, a gas station, filled up the van to get on the road and come home. And Colleen had already gotten in the car, and I was stepping in, and this guy came running across the parking lot. And he ran up to me, and he said, I saw the hat. I saw the beard. I saw the license. You're the guy from Pawn Stars. And I said, well, <laughs> yes, I am. And he said, I hate you. And I realized, you know, I one, I'd never had anybody tell me they hated me in an Arco station before. Um, and I, so I looked at him, and Colleen's watching all this, you know, and I, I, I looked at him and I said, why? And he said, why don't you give them a price? I said, because I don't sell this stuff. I run a museum. And he said, no, oh, okay. And he walked off. And... Uh, I got in the car, and, and Colleen looked at me and said, I'm going to have to start taking notes. And, <laughs> uh, and she has been doing this ever since, and, and um, she has made me much more self-reflexive. I, I, I think about the kinds of encounters that happen, um, and I come home, and I'll let her know, and she decides whether it's something she thinks she can use in a future paper and that. Um, but it's also a way that she's been able to handle the celebrity because uh, we've been married 38 years. Now, this is some, the celebrity is something new and it's, and it's something that affects every part of your life. I mean, we can't go out to dinner, uh, without getting interrupted. We can't go anywhere without people coming over and, and talking to me. You know, I wear the hats all the time. That they're, they're not an affectation for the show. I've been wearing Amish hats since 1986, uh, and the beard just celebrated its 40th anniversary last August. So, I mean, okay. these are just, it's just me. That's the way I look, and um, so I don't I don't hide well. And because yeah. of that, when we're out, people interrupt our lives, and that's you know that, that's fine. They're they're most of the time, they're very nice and all that, and they're just thrilled to, you know, say hello, and that's very nice of it. But it is something when, you know, you're you're trying to be out together, um, and you can't do that 
you know, you're, you're never off. You're never uh, anonymous. I mean, yeah. we went to, to Ireland a couple of years ago, and when we flew in over there, and, and you know, I, I don't have a posse. I have a wife, you know. There's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, we flew in over there, and, and you know, it was a, a red-eye flight overnight. You know, we flew into Shannon. And as we're walking up to passport control, the guy in the window looked at me and said, hello, Mark. And <laughs> I just stopped and looked at him, and, and he said, oh, the show's not over here. We watch it all the time. And it's like, okay, thank you. But when you think about it, you don't expect to go to another country and have their officials know who you are. You know, that's weird. <laughs> that's not what you do as a museum director. Yeah, and the interesting thing with a celebrity that I've noticed, and not just you, because but I would say with you more so than most that we've dealt with, you're more grounded, I would say, because, like you said, it affects everybody within your life, wife, kids, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, because where you deal with, Younger, say younger folks, whether it be athletes or musicians or whatever walk in field it is, they don't have a certain maturity about them, if that makes sense, to know how to press Very it. much. It's, it's interesting. I've, because, because I'm recognizable, a lot of people talk to me and a lot of people have their ideas with what, you know, perfect show that they want to pitch and that. And one of the things I, I, if, if they talk to me, I always tell them, be very aware of what you're doing. You you really do not know how much you go through life expecting to be anonymous, you know, just living your life as if no one around you knows who you are until that's gone, till it, it and it will never come back. Um, and it's a very strange thing. I, it, you, you, you can't have a bad hair day. You can't, you know... <laughs> You can't just, you know, when, when I, I I told the county manager here, who I met at a, at a county employee's picnic, and we were talking, and he said, you know, it's very strange. I, I'm, you know, the county manager. I'm over, you know, 8,000 people, and you're better known than I am. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, but what that means is I cannot tell you what your IQ is on the freeway when you cut me off because yeah. – if I do that, somebody in one of those other cars is going to recognize me. And the word is going to get back. And it spreads quickly among the general populace, you know, that, oh, that guy from the museum is, is a really bad guy or he's an idiot or he's mean or he's whatever. And I can't do that to the museum. That's My job is to yeah. run the museum and to support it. Yeah, and, like, I have a lot of friends both – older and younger within the professional wrestling uh, field. And the old expression is, along that line, is telephone, tell a friend, tell a wrestler. That word gets out so quickly in today's society, like you said, that it's quite interesting. Yeah, I can see that. And and it's, well, when we were, a uh, uh, similar sort of thing, when we were in Dublin, when we were over in Ireland a couple of years ago, we were walking from, uh, I've forgotten, I think Dublin Castle to 
Temple Bar or something like that. And we were on side streets. We weren't on the main drag. We were just walking down some little side street. And there was a, a, a truck park there, a lorry park there, a guy sitting behind the wheel. And he was just waiting. I think he was having lunch or something. But he jumped out of his truck, and he ran up to me, and he said, you know, my buddy told me he saw you yesterday, and I couldn't believe it. And, and I, I looked at him, and I realized, in all of Dublin, this guy's friend had seen me somewhere and had been telling all of his friends about it. And yeah. some other random person, you know, that, that was one of his friends then saw me. And, you know, it's like you 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 really have to be aware that the word gets out. And, yeah. you know, and for most people, you know, it, you just you just have to be um, careful. You know, and I'm I'm basically I think I'm a, basically a nice person. Anyways, I I don't try to to uh, be mean to people. I've got my own opinions, and I tend to keep them to myself unless asked. But um, you know, I uh, there's there's a lot of it where when people see you on television, they really think they've got a piece of you. And on something like reality TV. Especially in a case like this, it's not like oh, breaking Amish or some of these ones that's all just made up. Um, this, you know, when when I come onto the show, it's just me. I mean, you can talk yeah. to my family. It's just you know, as, as my brother used to say that it's it's just Mark on steroids. It's it's just because I've, <laughs> I've always done this. You know, I just you know when when I was ten years old, I used to play museum in my patio at home. You know. This is just who I am. And for the record, you know, for the listeners who, who will hear this, Mark's physique does not show that he's been on steroids. Just so <laughs> everybody's clear. <laughs> no, no, my, my spelled figure has taken years to develop. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if folks want to check out more info about the museums or they're going to be coming to town or the area to vacation or whatnot and want to come in and see the museums and whatnot. What's the best way for them to get information on them? Well, you can look up Clark County Museum online. It'll lead you to the – I'd give you the, the URL, but it's a really long one. If you just say Clark County Museum or Mark Hall Patton, you can, you can find it. Um, and if you're here in town, you can always call us. The number is 702-455-7955, and, um, you know, you'll get the front desk, and I've always got somebody there, so they can let you know what our hours are and, you know, what the current exhibits are, that sort of thing, because we, we change out the exhibits. We change out all the houses and that, uh, so when you come here, there's always something new to see. Um, and like I say, we're open seven days a week. Um, we're, the County Museum is uh, closed three days out of the year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Other than that, we're open. So if you're yes. here, yeah, you can come out and see us. And what I always tell people is it's a really good idea to come see us because we don't have any slot machines that work. So <laughs> you save money when you come out here. It's all of two bucks to go through. You know, and if you if you're under eighteen or over fifty five, I think it is, it's only a dollar. So, you know, and when I went over fifty five, which was a number of years ago, uh, we got rid of the S word, so we don't have a senior rate. We've just got over fifty five. 
And he's saying he saved money on admission, but what he's not telling you is he charges 20 bucks to get a picture with a cardboard cutout of him, though. <laughs> no. There no, is, no, we're just kidding. Yeah, but there is there is the cutout. And, and yes. that was actually my wife's idea, and then my guild, which is a, a support organization here that, that raises money uh, for the museum, but that was because people were complaining because I wasn't here 24-7. Yeah. And, um, it, it's a, it, it's a full-size, life-size photograph of me. Um, that looks just like you're getting a photograph with me. Um, but it's actually from a company that does these for soldiers who go overseas. And so that their family can have a, an image of them, especially if they have kids. You know, yeah. so it's, it's a good company. They do great work, and uh, but it's it's kind of interesting when I walk in in the morning and I'm already there standing in the corner. It looks a little odd. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much. Not a problem. Very good to talk to you. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap. 